0: A growth mindset, you don't limit yourself whenever you fail. Failure is considered a part of the learning process. And so whenever you fail, it's like, okay, what did I learn from this and how can I improve? And for being an entrepreneur, there's going to be a lot of failures. There's going to be a lot of disappointments. And not everyone is able to really handle that. And so persons that have a growth mindset, they can definitely achieve in being an entrepreneur. Hi, everybody.
1: We're in the midst of recording our next round of shows, but in lieu of going radio silent for a few weeks, I thought it would be much better to rebroadcast some of our favorite shows. There's a good chance you haven't heard this one before. But if you have, maybe you will learn something new. Hi, everybody. On this episode, we're bringing you another remix. And I couldn't be more pleased to revisit my chat with Eunice Coffee obang She is the founder and chief cosmetic chemist of Nuwaki, a skincare line focused on skin of color. There's been a lot of discussion on whether those of us with melanated skin need lines focused in on our needs. And she's not only focused on finding solutions for our specific needs, but also equipping estheticians to serve us properly. Because when you have skin of color, going to the wrong esthetician can set you back. Since last we spoke, Eunice was chosen to be a Glossier grantee for the 2021 Glossier Grant Program. If you stay tuned to the end of the episode, I'm not only bringing you a remix, but also some new content. I asked Eunice to dial in and give us five tips for finding an esthetician who knows how to work with skin of color. So don't forget to stay tuned to the end. Let's get started with this episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Start Right Here. We are the podcast that puts the spotlight on the career paths of BIPAC beauty professionals, entrepreneurs, and creatives, as well as issues related to beauty and inclusion impacting us in the industry, as well as impacting consumers. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I hope that conversations on this show help fuel your path to success. Hi, everybody. I'm pleased to welcome Eunice Kofi Obang, who is the founder and chief cosmetic chemist of Nuweki. She's got a story about resilience, which I love, and she's going to take us through her journey as a cosmetic chemist, as an entrepreneur and founder, and an advocate for skincare. For us, for people of color, for BIPOC people. Tell us about the importance of that as well. Welcome, Eunice.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. I am such a big advocate for learning about skin of color and educating people about loving the skin that they're in because I myself grew up in a situation where I was picked on by my peers because of my dark skin. And it really took a toll on my self-esteem and my saving grace was my father introducing me to science. And through science, it's where that I gained a better understanding of who I was and gained confidence in myself. And I really believe that through this knowledge that I have, that I can inspire others to do the same. That introduction
1: to science is a powerful thing. And having more young women, girls, introduced to that, particularly girls of color, it can change the world, as we see. Before we start talking about your career path, let's begin with some fun questions in our For the Love of Beauty section. What's the first beauty product you ever purchased?
0: It definitely was a skincare product, so I think it was Seabreeze.
1: What's the last beauty product you tried?
0: The last beauty product I tried yesterday was MAC Foundation.
1: Did you like it?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: What's the beauty advice you live by or leave alone?
0: Beauty advice that I live by is you have to take care of yourself within because your beauty shows on the outside by how you care for yourself, how you eat well, how you rest, exercise, all of that shows on the outside.
1: What do you leave alone?
0: some of these gimmicks such as using a face mask that actually peel off of your skin i leave that alone
1: so in the question peel or mask
0: ooh that's a great question i will say mask the wash off mask
1: give us a 30 second bio you gave us what inspired you, but we don't have the bio of we went here and there. So give us a little quick sketch.
0: I am Eunice Cofield-Bang. I am the founder and chief cosmetic chemist of Nweki. Nweki is an innovative skincare company for people of color. We combine traditional African medicine with modern science to address the common skin issues that you would see in skin of color, such as acne and hyperpigmentation. I got my start in cosmetic science as a undergraduate student at Florida A&M University. And it was through a chance meeting through a professor who taught us how to make hair relaxers and lotions. And from there, you know, I worked with him and that's where I discovered that there was a strong need for products for us. Working with that
1: professor was really critical. And a lot of people don't have that opportunity in undergrad because there are not a lot of programs in undergrad that introduce people to the beauty industry. Was the beauty industry a destination or a detour for you?
0: I would definitely say it was a detour because I came in my freshman year as a pharmacy major, and I thought I was going to go into pharmacy. But something just didn't feel right within my spirit about it. I didn't have any peace about it. And so my sophomore year, that's when I started exploring a little bit more. I got introduced to cosmetic science. I started asking others that were in the chemistry major. And I said, okay, I think this might be a good fit for me. With
1: this interest in cosmetic science, tell me about Your first job after college, what was it and how did you go about getting it?
0: My first job after college was actually at my alma mater where I worked as a program assistant for the international agriculture programs.
1: Did you learn a skill there that helped you as you moved on in your career?
0: Almost oh, definitely. In that program, I was able to help source experts in agriculture and actually send them out to different farms across the world in South Africa and the Caribbean and uh, have those experts help farmers develop their farms and their businesses and create products that they can distribute in their countries and around the world. So I definitely learned a lot of skills from doing that. You had the idea
1: for your product line, Nuweki, more
0: than a decade
1: ago. In fact, where do we meet? Do we meet Black Enterprise Entrepreneurs Conference? It's more than 10 years ago that we met. Yeah. like It was like maybe
0: 2008, 2009. Yeah. I started Nuweki actually when I was a... A sophomore in college, when I started doing research with my professor, that's when I actually realized that, whoa, a lot of these big brand beauty companies, they only look at us as one size fits all, and they weren't really taken into consideration the unique structure and function of skin of color. And so I actually went and incorporated the company at the time because I knew somewhere down the road, I was going to want to do this full time. So I wanted to make sure I captured the name real quickly. And from there, I continued doing research until, I mean, several years later, um, I decided to go full time in the business. You know,
1: we all hear about these things that are like overnight things. And yours is a testament to like having the idea and sticking with the vision and taking your time to get it right. So tell me about the challenges of sustaining and maintaining a vision.
0: Definitely, I would say number one is funding. That can definitely cause one to take a lot of time. I'm totally bootstrapped. I've never taken any investment from anyone. I've won several pitch competitions and grants, but I've used a lot of my own money because I wanted to have control over how uh, this company is run and the products that are developing the type of impact that I would like to make. And, you know, just one believing in oneself. I had to learn how to really truly believe in myself because there were so many opportunities that I applied for or that I didn't get. There were so many folks who said, Oh, I don't think your idea is going to work. I remember one instance where I was preparing to participate in a pitch competition and the organizers told me, oh, your idea would never work. And that day I could just feel my self-esteem and everything within me just go really, really low. And I just had to really cultivate within me that Eunice, no, you have to encourage yourself. They may think that it's not a good idea and they're operating from a view that is not of your world. So I actually went on and competed in that pitch competition. I lost by .005 points, but I was okay with it because I wanted to give my best as a Black woman and I wanted to represent other Black scientists well so that they'll have opportunities after me and they won't be judged the same way as I was judged Funny enough, maybe two weeks later, they end up calling me and said that the winner didn't have their stuff together, so they were going to give me the prize. So just having the right mindset about it, I was okay with losing. It was about giving my best, and it worked out for me. Yeah,
1: that's divine order right there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But also, you know, divine order is not going to come if you don't have your stuff together, too. Like, you have to be ready to get the blessing. The blessing is not going to take care of the work. you got to do the work. We worked in some other companies, Skincare Art and Science and Ethnic Derm Media. Why is it important to keep working in beauty for you, especially skincare and beauty as you built your own line?
0: I saw that the education piece was very, very important and it was very lacking for the consumer as well as physicians and other healthcare workers. Um, and public health workers. So with skincare Art, and Science, I joined forces with a dermatologist where we provided education to other physicians, internists, who are the first line, they're the front lines in working with patients to be able to detect skin cancer in skin of color. And it was such a rewarding opportunity to do that because this is something that had never really been done. With Ethnic Derm Media, I decided to create that company again, Education, I thought was needed, but it was more consumer facing. And this one, I actually joined forces with the Florida Department of Health. They gave me some grant funding, and I created a whole campaign around skin cancer awareness in people of color called I Am Not Excluded. So that was a great opportunity because we had events where we were able to do in-person education, and then we also had a website platform and then educational materials, something that's never been done in public health with the focus in on skin health for people of color.
1: I love the fact that these opportunities and these collaborations that you've done all build upon a common theme, like that you're really dedicated to skin of color and making sure that both the professionals and the consumers know what they should be looking for in terms of skin cancer and what their skin can and can't do. And for the professionals to understand the differences, the subtleties, the things that they should be looking for in our skin. I just think it's fascinating that you did that. (laughs) Thank you. When you started Wacky, I mean, there were brands that were dedicated to skin of color, but not many. Yeah. What are your thoughts about how the market and the product offerings are changing?
0: I think it's definitely taken a shift. At first, it was more so saturated on hair care. And I think um, more and more women of color, men of color, started to become more aware of their skin issues and were trying to figure out how to solve them. And then also, I think the burden of not having access to a dermatologist or having to wait three, four, five months to see a dermatologist concerning their skin, or even when they do get to the dermatologist, many dermatologists don't really understand our skin. So I think it created a frustration amongst many people of color. And so many folks started to think, wait a minute, there really isn't any great skincare out there for skin of color. So I think it's starting to create an industry where more and more of us are creating brands targeting us. How important or unimportant do you think it is? Meaning those of us with BIPOC
1: backgrounds to be the experts on what our skin needs? Like,
0: should it be us? I have my own opinion, but I want to ask you. (laughs) almost definitely, because studies have shown that we are more open to taking advice from someone that looks like us. That's with your physicians, that's with your estheticians. And so we understand who we are. We know the skin that we're in. We understand the skin health determinants, the cultural determinants, the structural and functional determinants. All of these different areas, we understand it because it's our lived experience. And so it's so much easier to educate or develop products when you have lived the experience and understand what our needs are. So yeah, I definitely think we should be the ones at the forefront educating and creating products and services for us. Yeah,
1: I could not agree more. Let's talk about Nuweki for a minute. What was the first product you developed?
0: The first product I developed was the moisture therapy cream. And I developed that product because I have really dry skin on my body and I needed something that would last me throughout the day. And I also, you know, heard rumblings from different consumers that they were experiencing the same thing. So at the time, no one was really creating a product that had hyaluronic acid or sodium lactate or marula oil or baobab oil for skin of color. And so I really thought that this was something that was really needed. So I created it. How many
1: um, SKUs do you have now in the collection?
0: So right now, two. And in about a week or two, we're about to launch nine more.
1: Wow, that's wonderful.
0: You talked earlier
1: about mixing traditional African medicine with modern science. A couple of questions. How do you do it? And then why is it important for you to do it?
0: How I do it is I spent a lot of time studying a lot of different plants that are commonly found in Africa. And it goes beyond just your shea butters or your cocoa butters, because that's what we commonly know. But there's a whole host of, of plants, millions of plants in Africa that have medicinal properties that can address a lot of our skin issues. So I spent a lot of time studying that. And in fact, that was my master's thesis. How do you take these African medicinal plants extract those actives and create cosmetic or dermatological products that can address the common skin disorders in skin of color. And I think it's important because traditional African medicine hasn't been well developed in comparison to traditional Chinese medicine. We know a lot about that because it's well-documented for centuries. But when it comes to traditional African medicine, it's oral tradition. And so now it's becoming a burgeoning area because there's an opportunity for us to take that oral tradition and actually test and see if those oral traditions actually work. And then how can we combine science to make an optimal product?
1: I think it is really important by doing this in a lot of ways, you're capturing and maintaining the heritage because oral traditions, I mean, in communities of color are so important, the stories that we pass down, but we're not always writing them down. So they sometimes get a little embellished or every generation adds a little twist (laughs) (laughs) to make it their own. But by doing this, it solidifies and it makes it available. To anybody who wants to learn it. Just like, you know, it's almost like cosmetic anthropology.
0: Yes, that's so interesting. Yes. If you think about it that way, it is
1: cosmetic anthropology. And you're right about the respect that society gives traditional Chinese medicine, even Ayurvedic. So, Indian medicine.
0: Yes. Oh, yes.
1: Ayurveda. So, why couldn't traditional African medicine get that space too? And also, Africa is a huge continent, so there's so much there that could be interpreted in just how all the countries use those plants. Exactly. That is an anthropologist, if you're listening, we need you, an
0: ethno-anthropologist. Tell me some other ingredients that you thought to include. Ingredients like mandelic acid especially are great for skin of color because they come from almonds because of the molecule size, it doesn't irritate our skin as much. And it works really well for acne and hyperpigmentation. There are other plants like marula oil that has great um, moisturizing properties and the same for baobab oil, it's called the tree of life. And it has a lot of vitamin and other properties in it that help to retain moisture in our skin. So those are just some of the few, but they're many.
1: How do you source your ingredients so you know what you want and how are you sourcing them?
0: So I source them through companies that actually go to Africa and source these raw materials. So I work with U.S. companies, suppliers that have a lot of these raw materials, and they have made it clear that they're ethically sourcing these materials in Africa.
1: You talked about going back and getting your master's in cosmetic chemistry briefly. But you also did some work on global leadership and public policy. Why did you do both?
0: (laughs) So one year I became a young global leader with the World Economic Forum. And if you've ever heard of Davos, that's where all the world leaders come to will and deal basically. And so I was selected and a part of that, they give you access to this type of program to develop your leadership skills. So I went to Harvard for two weeks to their Harvard Kennedy School of Government. And through this program, I was able to connect with other young global leaders from across the world and get access to Professors who trained us on leadership and really thinking about um, how we should be making an impact in our businesses or in our communities and around the world. So, some of our professors were David Gergen. Uh, There were a few billionaires that came in to teach us. Uh, We had the expert on North Korea or consultant to Barack Obama, who came in. And, you know, at the time, North Korea and America had a bit of they had some issues going on. So he came in to talk to us about that. So it was an amazing experience and allowed me to realize that I have a lot of learning to do. And that learning is through books and then also making sure that I'm interacting with people from around the world because they have different viewpoints, they have different Mm -hmm. ways of solving problems and I can take those ideas and things and implement those same things in my business and community.
1: I think that's really important that the global leadership piece and understanding what's happening in the world, because what happens in the world impacts what we do. So that does make a lot of sense in terms of the big picture. So your master's in cosmetic chemistry, what made you go back and further your education on cosmetic chemistry?
0: Oh, I wanted to do that so I can get a deeper understanding. You know, I have been mentored by my professor, but he can only take me... Uh, so far. So I wanted to get more education from the University of Cincinnati's uh, Winkle College of Pharmacy because that program had been there for years and a lot of the professors have actually worked in industry. So I wanted to get more of that industry experience and knowledge. And then I also wanted to get more of that technical science piece because I think it's really, really important to have that foundation because it helps you to understand the why of things and then you can innovate from there.
1: In undergrad, you said you guys had to make chemical relaxers. Do you remember the first product you formulated on your own?
0: Ooh, so the first product I formulated on my own, I believe it was a moisturizer. I remember it was a moisturizer. And I remember that day because I um, had the heat on the beaker very high and it blew up. And my professor walked by, he looked at me and kept going. <laughs> he saw the mess that I've made and he was probably thinking, okay, she's got to learn at some point.
1: <laughs> Obviously you did learn.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I love that because we really got to tell the truth about the stuff because learning is not easy always. And there are instances where we make a mess <laughs> on our way to greatness. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned how important education is and educating other professionals. That's something that you're continuing to do now with wecky and your focus on other professionals, especially estheticians, about the needs of the BIPOC community and skins of color. Why was it important to continue that?
0: So I realized I spoke at many shows, beauty shows and uh, trade shows and train estheticians in that way. And I found that uh, many of them stated that they didn't get this type of education while they were in aesthetic school. And so they were asking me, you know, do you have more resources? Are you providing more classes or conferences or trainings? And that's what sparked the idea for me to do it. And so I started offering webinars, I started doing more shows, and then I started conferences. And I really wanted to create. More education for estheticians, specifically for Black estheticians, because I realized that they have been an afterthought in the industry. And with the demographics changing in the United States, um, there's gonna be more and more men and women of color that are looking for estheticians that can provide skincare services. For them. And so they need this information because they are the ones that are going to lead this. And this is their opportunity to monopolize this market. The hair care market has been already monopolized by other cultures. And I just really felt like with this, this was our opportunity to be able to create something that could do that. And so that's why I created these different programs, such as the Skin of Color Conference. That we host every year for Black estheticians. And we're getting ready to launch the Skin of Color Academy, which will be online where they can learn this type of information.
1: It's really important. And the demographics, I mean, we always talk about like it's far in the future, but people of color under 18 are already the majority. It's an ongoing thing and it has already started to shift. So, you know, when we talk about the new majority, you know, the collective of people of color being the majority, it is a real thing that is happening. Let's talk about being a Black entrepreneur for a minute. You've been through a few accelerators. How did those experiences advance you as an entrepreneur?
0: I would say through those accelerators, many of them allowed me to connect with experts in certain areas that I needed, such as marketing, finance. Also, it connected me with resources that I needed to help with my business. Also, being in those accelerators, you got to see how angel investors and venture capitalists think. And primarily, most of them were Caucasian. And there were times where many of them doubted what I was doing. And so it was a learning process for me to really understand that there is really a need for more uh, venture capitalists and angel investors that are persons of color that sort of understand our needs and our businesses. And those situations where they doubted what I was doing or my capabilities, it was a thing that I needed to sort of push and propel myself further.
1: And I often hear from people who are entrepreneurs that the accelerated experiences, the connections more than anything else that people do them for, because often they have the skills. They may refine some skills Mm -hmm. because I have a master's in technology entrepreneurship. And I asked a professor, because we had to develop you know an idea as part of the program and if I should go to an accelerator. And one of the professors said, Everything you learned in school is what they're going to teach you in the accelerator. The only reason to go through an accelerator is if it has the contacts uh, the mentors or whoever that you want to meet that you can't meet on your own. So I think that's interesting. Then there's you know the idea that Black women in particular, Black women entrepreneurs, because we are a growing sector, Black women founders are over-mentored and underfunded. Oh, yes. What can we do about it? And what should accelerators and people that run incubators and accelerators do differently to address that?
0: That is such a great question. Um, Recently, I had a very major global bank contact me about being a part of their accelerator And I told them flat out, I said, number one, no, because, you know, we need money. We need financing to uh, be able to support our businesses. I am not going to sit in your six week or 12 week accelerator just to be over mentored. I know what I need. I just need funding. So I had to make it clear to them that this is the problem for many African-American entrepreneurs that we need funding. Many of us know how to use the money, and we know how to grow our businesses. We just need the capital. And it doesn't make sense for us to sit in these programs for six to 12 weeks, and at times maybe possibly be beaten down by some of the mentors, and then at the same time trying to run and grow a company. It doesn't make sense to sit through that. You know, I told them I'd rather focus on getting sales for the next six to 12 weeks instead of just sitting in your program. And they emailed and, and emailed and emailed. And I said, I'm not doing it.
1: Well, good for you. I used to um, advise. I was on one of the advisors for a brand that went through one of those accelerators from a big bank. And at the end of it, she said, I wish I hadn't done this. Wow. I, I could have been making money. And I said, well, you know, I think you made the right decision. And for those who work in those areas, who create accelerators, incubators, there needs to be a different kind of a strategy when it comes to this. Like there needs to be an avenue for money and everybody does not need someone to tell them what to do if they're not going to offer them money to help them do it. That's the bottom line. It's like, oh, you should do XYZ, but no one's telling you where are you going to get the money for XYZ?
0: Yeah, exactly. And you can't tell me to go and do all of these different things within my business and not supply me with the money to execute.
1: Tell me how both the pandemic and the social justice movement have impacted your business.
0: The pandemic affected us because we were actually supposed to launch in the spring. And Because of the pandemic, we were not able to get access to a lot of the packaging and raw materials that we needed. Many of the larger brands or companies bought out a lot of that. And so I found myself in a collective of other Black brands where we were trying to sort out and figure out how to get these raw materials and also get the packaging that we need. You know, a lot of us had to come together and buy things as a group and then split it off. Uh, same thing with raw materials. And then we all also had to pivot and start making hand sanitizer because that became the biggest need at the time. So, you know, we all corralled. And so if we were able to find one component to make the hand sanitizer, someone else was able to find another component. And then we, you know, shared resources in that way. And then even when it came to the PPP loans and things, we were able to talk to one another to find out, where well, were you able to get you know, loan, what happened? Why didn't you get it? And we grew to understand that many of our businesses didn't have the paperwork or the things that were needed to actually get these loans and grants from the government. I will say also with the Black Lives Matter movement, it brought more awareness of the company and the brand because now all these lists started popping up in these major magazines of Black-owned skincare, haircare, cosmetic brands. But again, just because you're getting publicity, it doesn't always equate into dollars. And then at the same time, some of these companies were coming up with these 15% pledges or their own little accelerators or programs. And many of us in the collective that I'm in, we found ourselves applying and applying and applying, but none of us were really getting any of these opportunities. And we started to question Is this, you know, a situation where they're gathering information concerning our businesses and what we're doing so that they can create a competitive edge for themselves?
1: Interesting.
0: Because we are the secret sauce. Yes. So if they don't have you in front, you
1: can tell them stuff, but they would never be able to replicate what Black founders do. I love this idea that Black founders have pooled resources. and. Shared information, because we often hear things like, we don't uplift each other. We don't help one another. So this is an example that just is counter to that, that you and others in your collective have shared information, have pooled resources and shared ideas so that all of your businesses can grow. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I mean, we leaned on each other for not just, you know, helping to get resources, but for emotional support. That's powerful. And I applaud that as this wonderful
1: thing. And I hope that it is something that you guys continue to do as the economy, whenever the economy recovers, because it's still going to be a long haul. Yeah. What is the unsung skill you need to be an entrepreneur?
0: I would say having a growth mindset. Tell me more about that. What does that look like? A growth mindset, you don't limit yourself whenever you fail. Failure is considered a part of the learning process. And so whenever you fail, it's like, okay, what did I learn from this and how can I improve And for being an entrepreneur, there's going to be a lot of failures. There's going to be a lot of disappointments. And not everyone is able to really handle that. And so persons that have a growth mindset, they can definitely achieve in being an entrepreneur because they can look at things a bit differently, not as, you know, see themselves as a failure, but see themselves as someone that can learn from the failure and build from there and be successful from there. Hi, this is Eunice kofi Obeng. I am the founder and chief cosmetic chemist of Nweki, an innovative skincare brand for people of color. Here are my five tips in finding an esthetician that understands richly melanated skin. Whenever you're looking for an esthetician, I always recommend that you ask if they have had experience in treating skin of color and what percentage of their current clientele has skin of color. What is their philosophy on treating skin of color? Because you always want to know whether they have a roadmap on how to care for the skin that you're in. Another thing to ask is if they carry retail products that are formulated to treat skin of color. Because after you receive your fantastic skincare service, you want to make sure that you can maintain your skin at home with great skincare products. I always recommend that you ask a friend or a colleague if they have any referrals for a great esthetician. And last but not least, I recommend that you contact organizations like the Black Esthetician and Skin Therapist Association to gain access to a directory of Black estheticians in your area. Thank you and have a wonderful day.
1: Who was your Black? or brown beauty icon when you were growing up? And then who deserves that status now?
0: Whitney Houston. I love Whitney Houston growing up. I thought she was just an amazing singer and just a beautiful woman. I would say who deserves that now is my mother. Why? Why your mom now? She's such a beautiful person in and out. And She really sacrificed a lot for my brother and I and my father to be able to achieve our dreams. And I look at some of her old photos of herself, and I know she had her own dreams and what she wanted to become. But she really wanted to invest in me and becoming the woman that I am today. So I owe it to her.
1: That's powerful. If someone wanted to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you give them?
0: I would give them the advice to be super focused, don't get distracted, and be open to having some delays. Delay is not denial. Some things take time to actually develop and come into fruition and don't fall into the get rich quick type of schemes or antics. But anything worth growing and developing, it takes time.
1: Thank you so much, Eunice. This has been such a great conversation. I'm really excited to see the new product line. So when is that
0: happening again? So that's going to happen in two weeks, Um, January 8th.
1: Okay, that's really soon. And that's very exciting. January 8th, 2021. And how do people find Nuweki products?
0: So they can go to www.nuweki.com dot ecom And they can find us there on our website. And then we're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
1: Under Nureki, right?
0: Yes. Okay, great. Well, thanks
1: again for joining me today. And I am looking forward to seeing how Nureki impacts the culture. Thank you so much. I'm excited as well. That's our show for today. If you have questions about where to start in your beauty career, Drop us a line at hello at beautybizcamp.com. Remember, there are many roads to success, but each of them requires you to start. So take that step forward today. See you next time.